Welcome to the Monetary Mixtape with Will Hoffman, founder of Hoffman Wealth Management. In this podcast, we help fellow Gen Xers simplify complex wealth issues that are important to Gen X. We do this by cutting out the mundane material and using a refreshing approach to finances in a way this skipped generation appreciates. Join us for this ride where we explore financial planning and wealth management as Will Hoffman draws from almost 20 years of experience and brings to you qualified guests to help be your latchkey to tricky monetary affairs. Welcome back to Monetary Mixtape with your host, Will Hoffman. This is part two of a conversation with Will and his guest, Cam Marston. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with Cam Marston. If you missed part one, please click the link below in the show notes. Cam, welcome back. You, you did mention that you and I are pop culture junkies. We, we love the, you know, the things we grew up with, the, the television, the movies, the music. There's one thing that we haven't touched on yet, and I, I think it's a great sort of part of our generation to talk about with you is really, you know, significant events, big news events, big generational shaping things that occur that have an impact on a generation. Um, one of them I'm seeing, especially with how you talked about how, you know, independent we are. And, and what makes me think about is the gentleman standing in front of the tank in Tiananmen Square. Yeah. As, as an independently minded freedom fighting individual standing in front of that tank. It's something I think about a lot of our generation and even more so through this conversation. But what other types of events occurred then do you think that have shaped our generation and, and shaped our behaviors and shaped our, our outlook on the, on the world? I think there's several, and uh, we could do it almost chronologically, and this is by no means a comprehensive list. One we've mentioned, and it wasn't exactly an event, it was a parenting movement of focusing on children's ego and self-esteem with the belief that if we do that, they will turn out to be, quote unquote, good people and right. contributors to our society. And we were, uh, that movement shaped our, our generation. We were, not, we were not our perpetrators of the movement. We were recipients of that movement. The one that I remember close, and these in my generational studies, these come up, these are called crystallizing moments where you remember where you were and what you were doing when you got mm -hmm. news. And the one that our generation typically shares is the Challenger explosion. I remember where I was. There was a television that was strapped down to a rolling kind of credenza thing that they pushed from classroom to classroom as people needed it. And we stood and our class sat or stood, I don't remember that, but watched that shuttle go up and then explode. And I think the thought was you know, the government had been nearly, and this is an extreme, but nearly infallible. The government was good, and, and if the government got a hold of it, we thought things were going to go fairly well, and suddenly it began to show some cracks. And upon the, the study of what happened and the, that they rushed it and that people were fallible in there, it kind of gave Generation X an attitude of, well, maybe, it doesn't mean we can't trust government, but we should be more skeptical than perhaps than we've been. There was the stock market crash, and I don't remember the date, but it was a big dip in the 80s. 1987. 87 that made, I remember being a freshman in college and watching the upperclassmen who were much more attuned to this thing than I was at the time react to that. And some of them had to leave school due to their parents' income changing as a result. We're, we're almost right on the, uh, on the anniversary, October 19th, 1987 was the, was the day. Yeah. 
the other one, I think there was the stock market. I had another one in my mind. Oh, it was the tech bust of about the year 2000. And a lot of people our age had invested not much money. We didn't have a lot of investable money, but career hopes and mm -hmm. on what that was going to become. We were measuring it on paper, though the company was not profitable in any measurable way. On paper, it said I, as a shareholder, was a quadrillionaire, and then it evaporated <laughs> so quickly. And it caused a lot of Gen Xers to have to re-get a toehold in the marketplace. At the same time, they were competing with a younger, cheaper generation of labor called the millennials. And it developed a little bit of a cynical attitude. The generation Xers developed a bit of a cynical attitude in that tech bust as the well, the millennials were, were, we were competing with one another to get back into the workplace after that tech bust. What I'm thinking mm -hmm. specifically of is the Great Recession of 2008. That was something different again. So I think it's developed, uh, what is the outcome of all this? It, it lends credibility, I think, to, the, um, to those that accuse Generation Xers of being a bit cynical because these events have changed our, our perspective. Another one, and, and there were those that would debate this, would be the Oklahoma City bombing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Forget that building name. April 20th. It was the state building, wasn't it? Or the yeah. Capitol building in Oklahoma City. It was some government building. Children were killed. There was a daycare in the building, and the bomb was dis uh, exploded just below the daycare in the building. And it gave us the realization. April 19th. I'm sorry, April 19th. The enemy could be someone we know. Someone that mm -hmm. looks like us, he or she does not have to be dressed in a different uniform on the other side of an arbitrary country border. It could be somebody that's disgruntled here among us, which of course has only escalated. Since sure. Then. So these are the- Well, because I said April 20th, April 20th was was Columbine. Columbine, there you go. Which, which is another little bit, we were later, I think I was in college for Columbine, but yeah. still obviously impacted. And all of these are are really pointing to why we're so cynical and why we're skeptic and why we take our time to make decisions because good things have been taken from us quickly, like the tech wreck, like the challenger crash, such an optimistic time with the first teacher going into outer space. And I think too, again, the, the pop culture aspect of that were the people that were taken away from us way too young and in the pinnacles of their career, folks like Kurt Cobain and, uh, Notorious B.I.G. and Tupac and Princess Diana. And, and, you know, we have all these folks that were making such an impact, whether it was on the music that we listened to or, you know, somebody like Princess Diana, just, you know, such an impact on the world and and taken from us way too young and before their impact was fully realized. Yeah. So no wonder why we're so cynical. And I don't want to have such a negative negative tone to the to this uh, episode, but it does explain why we're so fiercely independent, why we're so meticulous with the research that we do before we purchase, and and why we are so caught up in our peer reviews because we have those that you know enhance self-esteem perhaps from from the content we received as children. I want to ask you this and, and kind of back to Fred Rogers a little bit whenever they told us, you know, you're a good person. Has it worked? Do you think that, that our generation has had the impact that they hope we would? Uh, it's a good question. So there's a number of answers there, just like everything you've answered, asked such good questions and not a simple answer. Has it worked? The other half of the story of special, unique, and different from everyone else 
is that Benjamin Spock, who wrote the book on parenting, who was the first one to advocate for that raising ego with kids with ego and self-esteem, roundabout on his deathbed came out and said, you know what? I was wrong. Reinforcing these messages in kids do not necessarily make them a good person because he had done a study of death row inmates and expected to see that they all had poor egos and self-esteem and they had remarkably fine egos and self-esteem. So the goal was if we raise them this way, they'll become good people. No, it doesn't mean that. And uh, so he recanted, but after this point, the the horse had left the barn, the toothpaste had <laughs> left the tube, and it continues to be a parenting trend today. So has it worked? I don't think it had, uh, I don't think it worked the way people had hoped it would in creating quote unquote good people. A part of that answer is just kind of, you, you know, you, pop culture is a pop culture answer. There are a number of different stories or tales about how Generation Xers got their name. None, I don't know which one is the truth, but I choose this one. And <laughs> it is that when we came on the scene, no one knew who we stood for. We were in the shadow of the baby boomers who were a very demonstrative, uh, powerful, vocal generation about who they were and what they wanted. And then Generation X comes behind. Everyone said, well, who are they? What do they want? What are their characteristics? What's important to them? And we were not as demonstrative. We looked at the baby boomers and said, there are a lot of them and they're loud, but I don't know that they really do anything. So we were, the, the story that I choose about Generation X is that we were given the label X. Just like in algebra, you have to solve for X. And people said, we don't know who they are. We got to solve to figure out who they are. Therefore, they are Generation X. We'll solve to figure them out. And whether that's true or not, I don't know, <laughs> but I like it and it's my truth. Yeah, an unknown integer. I have a quick question when it comes to the naming of generations. I'm wondering, you know, these generations are named pretty early on. We don't know who we are. How can it be? You know what I mean? Like you're saying that the X is because we were unexplained at the time. Aren't all generations unexplained until they start doing stuff? It's a good point. Yes, they have to get a, of a certain age to begin kind of, if you will, creating their brand. But I guess Generation Xers got started later in creating their brand. And again, there's a lot to that too, but got started later in creating their brand and no one knew how to, how to label them. So a typical generation is somewhere between 15 and 22 years. And you can look at the calendar and say, okay, we're due for a new generation. And I think once they figured out that the boomer generation was over, who's this next generation going to be? They didn't, they couldn't decide quickly enough. So therefore, or, or <laughs> what we stood for, therefore we were branded with X. Yeah. And I'm excited for our generation to finally take hold and to move into leadership roles in companies, move into maybe some political leadership roles a bit more and be a bit more vocal there. I'm excited to see the impact that we do have on the world. I hope that Dr. Spock is wrong. The Gen X folks I know are, are having tremendous impacts on their communities. We're you know, I, I, my three boys are involved in sports. So I'm, you know, a little league coach with all other Gen X dads. And it seems, I feel like we're doing it the right way. We're kind of enhancing what we, the way we were coached, but looking at the way we want our kids to be coached, we're enhancing that. And, and I maybe I'm biased, but I think we're doing a pretty, pretty good job with, with our kids and hopefully Dr. Spock was wrong and Fred Rogers is uh, is the one who comes out and, 
uh, right in the end there. Yeah, I, I, we are definitely in the sweet spot of our lives and our career mm-hmm. when it comes to influence. Yes. Influencing our workplace, whether we are in the top leadership positions or not, uh, we typically have tenure, enough tenure in a workplace right now to have influence in that workplace. Our social networks are people who are also having influence out there right now. Therefore, we know who to call and who to call on. And our list, our Rolodex, which is a term that many may not understand, but our Rolodex tends to be full of people in influential positions now, if not the influencers, someone who has access to the influencers. And then our kids are at a malleable age. We're working with them to try to shape them for the rest of our life. It's unfair how important youth is to shaping people for the rest of their life. It's, mm-hmm. it's unfair that, to think that my children, who are all teenagers, have largely already been shaped by my parenting, my wife and my parenting influence over them. And I look back at the, some of the decisions I've made <laughs> and thought, well, they'll be angry at me, just like I'm angry <laughs> at my dad. It'll, it will perpetuate. But yeah, our, our, we're in the sweet spot for shaping kids, our own kids, as well as the kids we coach. My wife mm-hmm. is a coach. I don't do much coaching, but my wife is a coach and, and it's important now. We are in yeah. a, a very influential time in our lives. Hey, sorry for the interruption. I know you're listening to the Monetary Mixtape because you want to learn about financial planning and wealth management. If you have any questions at the end, please head over to www hoffmanwealth.com or look in the show notes to schedule a call with us. So while we're also at an influential time in our lives, we are, we're hitting our peak earning years. Yep. Um, We're hitting our peak accumulation years. We're starting to turn our focus to tuition bills coming due. Uh, We're turning our focus to our own retirement. If my math is correct, the oldest Gen Xers are right around 57 years old yeah, and starting to zero in on their own retirement in the next uh, five to 10 years. So when it comes to our money, what does Gen X, um, what kind of attitudes and expectations do they have of, of their money, of their retirement, of their ability to accumulate and spend? It's a good question. I've not found a conclusive answer on Generation Xers and, and their retirement. As many as my people I engage with particularly in in your world of financial services. So many of these financial advisors say, I like my work. I'm going to narrow down my client base to a a small group of people I cherish, and I'm never going to retire. I'm just going to work with those people until it's over. There are others that I know, peers of mine that are eager to get out ASAP, get out and hope that the nest egg that they've created in their 401k will do what they need for them. As we're talking, the market is in extraordinary disruption. There's talk of another interest rate hike. So I think there's, in the, in the Generation Xer, there's, there's, just like so many other chapters of their lives, there's skepticism of what this is going to look like. I mean, how many times has, it seems like each generation out there has been the one where Social Security is going to run out. Right. We're the generation Social Security is going to run out on him. I said that. The boomers have said that. My children are saying that, though they <laughs> have just barely learned what Social Security is. But I think there's there's concern, there's worry, there's skepticism. I was sitting having a beer with a buddy of mine last night in the financial services industry, and he told me that annuity sales are through the roof across the board. Not just his company, but every. Uh, I think reflecting fear and skepticism of the future. I want a guaranteed 
return, guaranteed performance, whatever the terminology may be, that is reflective of perhaps a Generation X attitude towards the future of, I can't guarantee, I can't count on anything with much certainty. I'm going to put the money where there is the most certainty. So gotcha. I think it's all over the board. The, the, the common theme is a touch of cynicism, a bit of skepticism. Okay. And that's different from a lot of other generations? I, 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 you know what? It's a good question. Is this a life stage that we're referring to, or is this a generational attitude? I don't know. It's a great question. Okay. The last few years have been those crystallizing moments. You know, we've used the word unprecedented many times since, uh, since the spring or late winter of, of 2020. How, how do you think that sh- has shaped our generation? Because, you know, we were, Kind of, we were it, it, right in the middle of that ascension to to career heights, to you know things being comfortable in the workplace, and and kind of getting a grasp on our careers and our earnings and our spending. And then, I mean, it wasn't just Gen X; the rug got pulled out from from all of us when it came to uh, COVID. But specifically, when it comes to our generation, how how has that impacted the way we see the world now? Uh, I think I think the changes of the workplace structure created by COVID, which sent us all home to work for a while. I think the Xers, just like perhaps the millennials, but the Xers have said, you know what? I kind of like this. I'm already a loner. I'm already an individualist, something we've talked about already. And I can, I can be effective here. There are, and, and the Xers, many of them are choosing a, a hybrid type of workplace. Yes, I recognize the importance of the office. I recognize the importance of perpetual. If I'm a leader, then perpetuating culture requires in-person eye contact. I, it's really hard to perpetuate any sort of company culture through a Zoom call. You can keep it alive. You can keep it on life support, but you can't enhance and grow it, in my opinion, and opinions of others. So it requires in-person in conference room, eye contact, uh, whatever it may be, shoulder to shoulder, face to face, eye contact and connection that way. But it is, it is, it has COVID and the work environment created by COVID has allowed the extras to say, I can be as productive from home as at work. I recognize I need the both of them and I'm going to start to advocate for the both of them. And that's not too different from the millennials who would seemingly choose more at home than at work. And, but the baby boomers generally, we're speaking in extraordinary broad strokes here, are the ones that said, we need and must return to the office. Mm-hmm. The extras have said, office is important. We don't have to return. We need to, we need to figure out what the hybrid may be. And is some of that, you know, Gen X was the first group to, to say the phrase work-life balance. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, our careers are important. Uh, It's what I do, but it's not who I am. It's what I do between weekends. Yes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And the baby boomers hear that when they kind of their eyes light up. My career (laughs) is what I do between weekends. And, and, whoa, you know, I I like what I do. Um, I like the people I, I work with. But on the weekends, I am a parent. I am a athlete, I'm a golfer, I'm a runner, I'm a uh, hiker or camper. And that is where, where I go for, for some, some solitude and, and enjoyment. 
that's where my cup is filled. Right. Do you think, and do you think that this, this, now this enhancement to the work-life balance with us being able to do this work from home and have it be a lot more widely accepted, does that extend our careers? Does that extend what we do between the weekends and maybe have the weekends start to infiltrate on what we do rather than what we do infiltrating on the weekends? It's a good question. Here's an observation. One is that, yes, the work, the toil is easier, let's say. Mm -hmm. We have these flex such flexibilities, but it still does not shape the responsibilities. And I think the approach to retirement is less about the toil of the work and more about I'm ready to not have to be responsible for a P&L, for this team, for a sales number, for whatever it may be, I'm ready to reduce responsibilities and therefore retirement is attractive to me. So there may be some who don't mind the toil that has been created, or the, the toil has been lessened by a new work-life balance that uh, the work from home world has created, that has been created in the work from home world post-COVID. And if they don't have the, if they don't mind the responsibilities or they're not shouldering an extraordinary number of responsibilities, then they, it very well could extend their work life. It's a wonderful observation. If going to the work is absolutely agonizing and I don't have to do that and like the job, maybe I will stick around a little bit longer. Yeah. See, and, and what happens is I have uh, home toils, and this is just my personal situation, especially with, with three young boys, home toils of laundry and dinner prep. Uh, start to infiltrate on work toils of yeah. <laughs> portfolio management and client conversations. So it's, uh, but it has allowed my weekends to be a lot more enjoyable because I can do laundry while I do work. Yeah. And now my whole weekend is mine rather than my whole weekend being shared with what I enjoy to do, spending time with our boys and the laundry. Yeah. So, so it, I, I, uh, I like the hybrid approach. It's the approach we've taken in our office. I like the ability to also be able to work from anywhere so we can allow our boys to see and travel and do and still be uh, effective communicators, effective advisors. And I don't view my profession as toil at all. You know, I, I have a feeling you're sort of in the same boat as I am, is when you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. And, and that's kind of where I've been with with this profession is it can be hard sometimes, but but I love it. And I don't mind it infiltrating on the weekends, but still like really being with my boys and coaching and running and, and doing those things. I think one of the things that I want to, that is worth consideration when we talk about extending the career a little bit is that we as a generation and the millennials even more so are have had children at older ages. Mm -hmm. So I, I think I was married when I was 28. We were, I was maybe 34 when we had our first child or something like that. I don't remember the exact ages, but I was older than my parents were sure. when I began having children. What it means is that I am going to be at an older age having young children and will need to take care of them. Therefore, I may need to extend my career because I have younger children still dependent upon me. Right. And uh, so that work from home environment, this new work-life balance, perhaps it's no, I don't think anybody's cracked that riddle yet, <laughs> but the new approach to work-life balance from home may allow me to work longer. I may want to work longer and Hey, let's face it. My children are still dependent upon me at an older age. So I may need to work longer. Well, th this has all been tremendous insight and 
like I said at the beginning of the of the episode, I've couldn't wait to have you on. And now I'm saying I can't wait to have you back <laughs> because it, it, it's a tremendous insight. I think our listeners are going to take a lot from this. I know as I continue to have on guests and record podcast episodes, your insight's going to be echoed through our exploration of Gen X and and how we manage our money. And we're going to get into a lot of topics that that I'm always going to be looking for your insight on. So again, I I really appreciate you you coming on the monetary mixtape. I already can't wait to have you back on the monetary mixtape. I do want to make sure our listeners do know how to either get in touch with you or learn more from you where where you're uh, releasing content and and where they can see you next. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity for the promotion. My website is cammarston.com, C-A-M-M-A-R-S-T-O-N.com. There you will find my both radio show and podcast. It's one and the same thing. And it explores trends in the workplace, the workforce, and the marketplace. So I find people that can talk about trends shaping their business. You can also find the commentaries that I do that I kind of started out of boredom wondering, you know, I need a creative outlet. So I do commentaries for Alabama Public Radio that are broadcast every Friday, three and a half minutes of what I try to make humorous and insightful stuff. And uh, you'll find them on that same website as well. And I'm starting to get the calendar together for the upcoming year. And we've got some great financial services clients that are looking at kind of sponsoring me to tour on the topic of the book that you and I referenced, The Gen Savvy Financial Advisor. I'm not exactly sure what the dates will be yet, but keep an eye out for me on the agenda if you're going to any financial. Yeah, I look forward. I always look forward to our paths crossing. Yeah, I appreciate it. So I want to throw one name to you quickly. Okay. A person who I feel left us way too soon. And that is Philip Seymour Hoffman. You remember him, the actor? I thought he was incredible in everything he did. Yes. And uh, he left way. No relation, he by was, the way. He was coming into, he was already very good, but coming into a world of his own when he, when he and he, he's a guy that I, I don't watch a lot of movies, but I've watched every one of his and have appreciated everything he's done. Yes. The one I remember him most, and he's done a lot. You know, from Capote to he was really funny in the movie Along Came Polly. Yes. With with Ben Stiller and Jennifer Aniston. He he was really, really yeah. funny in that movie. Uh Twister, just to name a few of, of the Gen X movies. What's the other one? I'm with Matt Damon. I the one that I think of him in is the Big Lebowski. He played a minor role in that, but was still very funny, a yeah. supportive role in that. But he was he was a stage actor. Moneyball. He was the he yes. was the manager yes. in Moneyball, and uh, I'm looking it up right now. The talented Mr. Ripley. That's what he was in with with Matt Damon. I thought this guy's going to be a stage and screen spectacular, not just good, but spectacular. Yes, and he's one of those guys like Kurt Cobain and so many that you've listed that I thought that's just a shame, just a shame. Yes, because that's a that's one of ours, a remarkable talent. Now you're you mentioned that name and that, you know, John Candy and um, yeah. uh, Tommy Boy. Um, oh, right. I can see his Farley. The, yeah. Chris Farley. Yeah. All guys that went way too early. I mentioned, I think of Chris Farley because Gen X, be prepared uh, and, and make sure you're sitting down when I share this one with you. But Adam Sandler was just on the cover of the AARP magazine. I saw that. So uh, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. That um, that yeah. made me take a step back and start to do some math about uh, our existence and our age. 
Well, again, oh, Cam, man. thank you so much. I, I, like I said, can't wait to have you back on. Can't wait for our listeners to to hear this and to start following your content. If if you're in a, a leadership position within your company, Cam is is definitely somebody to follow and to understand when you're managing folks. Um, if you're in a sales position and struggling to understand the generations and the buying process, Cam is, is someone to follow to understand that and really have, have the impact on your career that he has had on mine and our firm here. And, and if you are listening, thank you for listening to the Monetary Mixtape. Uh, Wendy, I'll, I'll let you take it home from here. I will. I wanted to ask, how do people get in touch with you? As always, it's hoffmanwealth.com. I'm on LinkedIn. The links are always in our show notes from the monetary mixtape, but hoffmanwealth.com. You can book a call with us right there. And that's the easiest way to get in touch with us. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Cam. And thank you for joining us on Monetary Mixtape. Please like, follow, and share with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Don't bounce just yet. The streetlights haven't come on. Thank you for listening to the Monetary Mixtape Podcast. If you thought this episode was dope, then click the follow button to be notified when we drop a new episode. Visit our website at hoffmanwealth.com or give us a call at 724-522-5411. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hoffman Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Private Advisor Group, a registered investment advisor. Private Advisor Group and Hoffman Wealth Management are separate entities from LPL Financial. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly.